we're recording. Apologies for the delivery scooter men revving outside my window. <laughs> this is Beyond the Pass. Conversations with people from all walks of hospitality life. Centering mental health, Beyond the Pass is a conversation about life, hospitality and what makes us get out of bed each day. Welcome back to Beyond the Pass. I'm so excited to be sitting down with Josh Ebsworth. Josh's industry experience spans all corners. They're a chef, they run their own small food business, they worked in food development, and currently they're the community manager at Together, which was formerly known as Feast It. It connects small food vendors with events of all scales, like weddings, festivals, you name it, they do it. Um, they've personally made me some of the best dishes I've ever eaten in my adult life, and I'm so happy that they're here to finish off season two. Welcome, Josh! Oh, so happy to be here. Thanks for having me, Rachel. <laughs> You're welcome. Um, I just want to start by asking how you got started in the industry. What was your first job? Oh, my first job. I think I think going back, it was um, it was working pubs when I was like sort of just newly minted, sixteen. I think you could work in pubs back then, getting paid a whopping four pound thirty an hour. Uh, so yeah, I worked in a pub called the uh, the White Hart in Waterloo, which is still there. Um, yeah, just uh, just like working behind the bar, having a good time, um, nothing too crazy. And uh, actually, no, there was another one in before that, which was this um, very fly-by-night events company called Creative Events. I'm not sure if they're still out there, but um, looking back on it, they had some of the worst labour practices I've ever seen, especially for a, an 18-year-old, you know. Um, when did you move from being like just like doing glasses, whatever, like teenager shit into the kitchen? Why did that transition happen? Were you just terrible at being a bartender? Um, so actually it happened mostly in the States. So when I was um, 21, I moved to the States. Uh, so just after I graduated uni. Um, and yeah, I, I didn't realize how professional the, the restaurant industry in, uh, in, in America is. It's so much more professional than it is um, in, in the UK. And I took a job as uh, like a front of house uh, person um, at a very, very big, ambitious new restaurant. And it's actually kind of a funny story, but I, um, we, uh, they, they gave us an exam, because uh, it was, you know, this, the concept was like largely based around beer. Um, so they gave us an exam on like beer knowledge um, and I aced the test just because I'm good at doing tests. So they thought it was really good. So they made me the lead server and I'd never waited tables before. And let alone in America, which is like absolutely like, it's almost like military service. Um, and so they gave me these huge sections full of hundreds of people. I had no idea what I was doing. Um, and I quickly worked my way from the lead server all the way to uh, borderline being fired in a week. Uh, yeah, so I thought maybe I should, uh, maybe I should stick to cooking instead, which had always been a passion. I just never really considered doing it like professionally. When did you start cooking personally? Like, did you just have to do it because both your parents were rubbish? Or, like, how did that come about? Well, actually, no, to be honest, my, my parents were, like, um, like my mum was always, like, a decent cook growing up. Um, I feel kind of bad for her because, like, she would be like, hey, kids, what do you want to eat tonight? And we were like, poor cameloni, woo! And, like, which is obviously, like, an insanely labour-intensive dish to do for a bunch of kids. Um, yeah, actually, my dad was a god-awful cook, Um for a long time but actually it was he that it was him that really got me into it because he decided later in life that like being able to cook absolutely nothing wasn't really the way to go um and so yeah yeah he, you know he, him getting into it sort of like made me think about it as like you know like a 14 15 year old 
It's very like divorced dad energy. That oh, <laughs> big divorced dad energy. Yeah, um, I can tell you what, what a truly terrible meal he made once, which was um, we were in the supermarket and he was like, all right, kids, you guys can just pick any ingredient, like just go and find whatever you want. And I'll, I'll somehow combine it together into a serviceable meal. And like, I can't remember. What we, we ended up with like this pink and yellow square pasta and some someone had like literally I think went and got pickled squid from yeah which is bizarre and so he tried to make make this dish out of uh, pickled squid and like yellow and pink pasta and it was a disaster anyway so yeah I can't I can't really determine whether that's like absolutely phenomenal parenting or just like a massive mistake <laughs> uh, a huge mistake yeah yeah I think it was just yeah it was a nice idea in practice yeah but, like, yeah it, to pull that off, I think you would need to have exceptional culinary chops and not just... Yeah, it's, uh, not, it's not for an amateur, that's for sure. No, it is not, no. Um, can you describe to me the best kitchen job you've had and the worst kitchen job you've had? Oh, yeah. Um, okay, fine. We'll start with best. Um, I really liked... So I used to work in... Well, actually, there's two of them that I really liked. So I worked at a um, barbecue restaurant in uh, Texas. I say it's a barbecue restaurant, but it's, it's actually a sh- like, a, like a trailer um but it was like a fully functioning kitchen like we did everything in house um and so yeah I worked with those guys uh for about a year and a bit um and uh it gave me the inspiration to like come back to England to start my own barbecue thing uh but it was really cool to see because they were doing like everything in house in such a small environment and you know when I just started there they were starting to get a bit of press and then within like a couple of months like you know, really, really picked up. So it was really cool to be in a place that was really like, it felt like it was at like the epicenter of the, like the culinary scene in, in Austin at that particular time. So that was really, really fun. I learned so much from Tom, who's the head chef. And there's another guy called Will, who's an incredible pastry chef. So yeah, they were doing like really amazing desserts, like in a tiny barbecue trailer, which is, yeah, blew my mind. So that was really fun. And like, yeah, everyone was super lovely. And uh, yeah, I learned a lot from those guys. Another one was, um, uh dandy r.i.p in south london uh it was run by my mate uh dan wilson um and yeah just a really fun kitchen experience like um we what was i'm trying to think one of one of the one of the nights we did this event for like 40 of the top sort of wine growers i say wine growers i think it was more like natural wine growers from around europe and we illegally cooked this massive side of beef on the pavement in the <laughs> in Bermondsey, um over like an open fire um li- literally like right next to like massive you know apartment blocks and uh, and uh, you know so doing stuff like that was really fun and yeah it was just a really nice atmosphere um and Dan was a very chilled dude but unfortunately that restaurant closed down because of covid and embezzlement so uh, <laughs> r.i.p uh, yeah r.i.p a great industry tradition yeah worst jobs uh where do i even start um it's kind of funny. It was I wouldn't say the worst, but it was definitely the weirdest. But like I, one summer I was living with my grandma in upstate New York and I worked in this local pizza restaurant. Um, like, and it, it was like truly, like truly b- bizarre experience. Like um, I, I, met, I, one of my jobs was carrying like the big grease, like traps out to the, um, like, and they were just like, yeah, just dump them down the drain, it's fine. I was like, okay, cool. <laughs> um, I remember one day, like, it was, like, swelteringly hot and just spilling, like, hot grease down my shoes and having to work the rest, rest of the day. Um, and just, like, 
having to prep like thousands of like chicken wings like and yeah it's gross there was this bulgarian dude um that like that you used to have to work with who was quite interesting and he had actually cut his finger off with the meat slicer uh yeah so that was, that was fun um oh another guy also um he said he knew my grandma i was like oh your grandma's lovely and he was like yeah, I really should. I really, uh, I missed my chance. I really should have, uh, you know, your grandma's a lovely woman. I, sh- I should have attempted to date her. And I was like, oh my God, get me out of it. <laughs> Do you yeah. think that that was true? I think it was, yeah. Yeah, it was, yeah. I don't know why he decided to tell me that, but, you know. Um, he doesn't strike but... me as a man with phenomenal boundaries, but. No, no, exactly. I think within five minutes of meeting him, he told me he developed a, a drug addiction um, from being in Nam. And then that he also wanted to bang my grandma. So yeah. <laughs> I wish him well. Like, I hope he's all right. I'm sure he's fine. Yeah. I mean, he'll survive anything, I imagine. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I was thinking earlier today about a few years ago when Boiling Point came out. And I think we can both agree that it's a mistake that I took you to see that movie on your night off from a kitchen. Um, so I'd like to apologize for that more formally. And I also wanted to ask about what your experience of watching content like The Bear or Boiling Point, these sort of like realistic, quote unquote, representations of kitchen life. What's your experience of watching them? Do you feel like it's representative? Uh, it's a tricky question. I do think like, so when, when we watched Boiling Point, I think some parts of it were really like, like, you know, the first half I was like really on edge. Um, mm-hmm. I think, I think it's. Like, I want to state, I think it was a really good film. I think it was well done. I know it gets a lot of heat from different people in the industry, like you're saying it was this or it was that, but I generally think it was a really well-made film. Um, uh, I got, yeah, definitely sort of like, uh, it hit a nerve during the first half. Um, I felt, yeah, like pretty pretty anxious and being like, oh shit, I'm back in it again. Um, but then I think to, as it, as the film progressed, I realized that this was just like, it was like one of those bad dreams. It was like an amalgamation of everything that could possibly go wrong, like happening at once. So after that, I was a bit like, uh, it sort of affected me less because I realized it was obviously just a, a work of fiction and stuff. But I think I think the getting ready for service bit is, is always going to, you know, sort of like trigger people that have worked in kitchens before. Um, I do remember thinking it was just like, it felt a bit like, the ends i think i described it as just like misery porn like everyone was just having an absolutely terrible time um which you know i don't think that was entirely realistic like i mean maybe i've worked in places like that before but generally like there's always good to go with the bad otherwise like why the hell would you work there like that was yeah, i was like why would anyone work in a restaurant like this it just seems like insane um but yeah so i, I think with the bear um Maybe just because it, mm, I don't know, actually, it, it felt like a bit more surreal. So it was like, I, was, I felt a little bit more removed from that. It wasn't quite like as, as realistic as Boiling Point. Um, but yeah, I, I still felt the, uh, especially when I used to run my own business, like the, the, you know, like the proper like financial pressure of like, you know, bills need to be paid and like, you know, big tables just full of like unpaid bills. Yeah, that, that definitely sort of brought me back, so to speak. Yeah, it's interesting when you're in those environments where it is, there's so much survival mode and also like you do have formed such deep connections through trauma bonding and, you know, you drink a lot and there's like an element of fun about how mad it actually is. And I think it's only with hindsight, often when I watch those things, I'm like, oh, wow, this is not a good environment to be in. (laughs) 
Like this is not this is not healthy for somebody. No, I think it's I think for me it's just like places like that or you know it, like things like that just aren't sustainable. Um, and I think it's definitely not sustainable. Like when you're young, you can sort of just get through it because you can like you know you, you can physically bounce back from like a lot. But like I think that if a place you know or like work like that isn't sustainable, like young or talented or experienced people will just like leave and so you're left with just like a madhouse um <laughs> so, uh, so yeah I, i've yeah i find the places that i've worked that work best like generally yeah it's it's more about like how do we make this you know sort of sustainable um especially for the old heads mm-hmm, yeah mm-hmm. yeah and it's something that i really see now that i'm older and so many of my peers that i would have worked with like it's not they love the industry they'd love to stay but the work like literally is not flexible enough to accommodate like an aging body a pregnant body a body that's differently able than it was when it was 20 like we do a very bad job i think of adapting mm. to folks that have different needs and it's also just it literally we're all going to get older and i think the impact of that was different when there was this constant replenishment of young people coming from europe but now that that's over it's like there has to be a real pivot to accommodate folks that are coming back into the workforce, working moms, whatever the case might be. Mm, yeah, no, I, no, I totally agree. Um, yeah. Uh, I, I don't know how you, you do that to be honest, because at the end of the day, restaurants, you're going to be working at night. Like that's just it. Unless you're like working in a cafe or something. I was just having this conversation with a recruiter and they were talking about how every sort of person that they've talked to in the industry is very reluctant to do job sharing. But if you get like three mums together who all want to come back to work and have them split a job. And so they work irregular hours, they work flexibly, they adjust their schedules based on the needs of the other that that's quite common in a lot of industries, but that hospitality sort of hasn't done that yet or taken up that heat. And they talked about, you know, when I had kids, when I was out of work because they were small, like I would have 100% done that. And people won't offer it. That's really interesting. I've never heard that before. So what, job sharing is like you, so you get hired, but you're like, oh, like I split the hours with other people. Two or three other people or whatever. Oh, that's really cool. No, I've never heard of that. We say that we like don't know how that would work, but also there's been so little sort of innovation or chance taking mm. around different strategies. Mm. And so I do think that while the answers don't seem that obvious to me, I also... I think that we're a very bad industry for being like, well, that's not, that won't work here. Like, that's not how it is or that. And we, we have a habit of doing that, I think. But also it's like, because the climate right now is so fucking precarious. I also understand that people don't want to take big swings. Yeah, I, I would say as well, like, I think it's definitely like a trust thing as well. You, if you're hiring like one person, it's actually three. You need to have full trust in everyone involved. Like, I was thinking about this the other day when I was doing cameo shift at a friend's restaurant. And I was thinking about how actually important, like if you fuck up, like you can actually kill someone. Like it's actually, I was like, I was like, oh, I've never really, I never used to think about that, but like having been out of the kitchen for a while and then going back into it i was like oh my god like if i screw up like an allergy table i could literally kill someone so uh, i think that that you know you need to be able to like fully 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 trust and also have like you know your staff all like fully trained to the highest ability so i'm I'm, that's why i'd imagine something like that hasn't really taken a hold 
But it's also, it's interesting to me because it's not like that's happening now. Like, I've worked in plenty of places where people aren't effectively trained. The allergen situation yeah. is a bit of a mess. People don't spend time. So it's like, I completely agree with you. And I think there's definitely places I know that do a great job of that, training their staff, being really conscientious, understanding how high the stakes are. But I, for every one of those, I can think of one where it's just like an absolute shit show. Yeah, that's, that's an extremely good point. Yeah. <laughs> and so I don't think it's a good enough reason to not like try different things but i think you also bring in an interesting point there is a like risk of death often and that adds to this already very stressful job oh yeah totally but it's not seen that way like if a chef has like a successful few years where like you know whatever they haven't given anyone anaphylaxis or like anaphylactic shock it's not like wow you saved lives you know? Yeah, yeah, no, yeah, yeah. And there's a way that it's like intellectually or like in your entire nervous system, the stakes are so high. But then the way it's perceived or treated is often very poor. Yeah, I would, I would totally agree with that. I'm not saying we should be giving chefs like a clap on a Thursday night or anything, but or, <laughs> yeah, for not, not killing anyone. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Uh, but yeah, I mean, it's definitely it's something that I don't think that especially a lot of customers think about or appreciate Mm -hmm. Uh, and just like acknowledgement of that like acknowledgement of how hard that is yeah exactly yeah because i'd imagine you know we've all i've had food poisoning before and it's not particularly fun so yeah they should be applauding you for not giving you food poisoning. (laughs) they should i also like i've had that before where i go behind a pass and i look at the rail and all the tickets and all the different things and all the allergens and i'm like if i was looking at this i would literally leave (laughs) yeah yeah not for oh, me um yeah. and the fact that people don't and they're successful and they make things that taste good i am i'm like yeah we should maybe applaud the chef on a thursday night yeah but no, i think sure. all of that all of it sort of plays into the impact of mental health which we obviously talk about a lot but do you have a sense of how working in kitchens impacted your own mental health and how did you take care of yourself in those environments and then also if you didn't take care of yourself in those environments what do you feel like the barriers were for you doing that Sorry, that's a lot of questions in one question. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I guess I would tackle the first bit. So I, I think when you're a bit younger, you, you don't really care as much, um, like, or you don't really consider um, your your mental health as much. Like, I just enjoyed, like, the grind of it. It was obviously, like, maybe, like, a bit of a macho thing, but you're like, hell yeah, I worked 18 hours in a row. That's that's pretty cool. Um, you know, so I don't, I don't generally think you're really thinking about that much, too much. And like, I, I was a very social and also very uh, insecure person. So I would need to constantly be hanging out with loads of people and to, to, to have validation. So, you know, like I would have like awful FOMO. So like after shift, like I'd always go out with everyone and get super drunk. And like that would, you know, that literally that was like, like four days a week or something. I remember my, my, my ex used to tell me, she's like, can you please just like, can you like keep your going out to like two or three times a week instead of five? And I was like, how dare you? Which is now like such an absurd thing to think about. And like, I, I generally at, at that point in time thought I was like, I didn't really have much to offer the professional world. Like I was like, mm. I am an idiot. I don't know anything about anything. I, I'm not very capable. So this is like, where I need to be right now and I'm just not going to take life too seriously um mm. which is obviously not a great place to be in I probably squandered some very good years um <laughs> sort of yeah sort of uh, you know just like being in a bit of a arrested development um 
Yeah, so yeah, I, I don't think you think about it too much um, until it, obviously something happens and you reach like a crisis point. Oh, it's, it's difficult. Like, I, I think the reason that I like I truly decided to pack it in, I think it was a combination of the um, the hours and the monotony of working in restaurants in particular. So I think that's something that doesn't really get talked about. But like, yeah, it's like literally like some people thrive in it. They do the same thing over and over again and get like a thrill out of that. But if you don't enjoy that and you need to constantly be doing different stuff, then like I don't think like restaurant work is for you because it's it's a lot of the same stuff over and over and over again. Yeah, you might be putting new dishes on whatever, but at the end of the day, it's the, the job functions are the same. So it's like that monotony combined with the the, the late hours like was 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 really like sort of turned my head into mush yeah it's like that intersection of being bored and also being isolated i think god yeah and like you know again like because i was so socially starved you know i was working six nights a week that i you know the the chances i did to go out and socialize were like way late so like meeting people at 1 a.m um obviously just like drinking loads because like what else are you supposed to do at 1 a.m um and so that combines with that and then you're hung over the next day and like really bored and you're like oh my god I just want to throw my head in that was what really drew me out of it and it's impossible to really look I look after your men I, I, I actually don't know the answer to it I don't know how you would effectively look after yourself in that state like I had to remove myself I was like that's mm-hmm. I like looking after myself I was like right that's it I'm, I'm done with this I need to do something else in my life because like I'm just not very happy right now um so I did but like I know that's obviously not available to everyone else so um I, I I don't really know how you would effectively look after yourself you just like you bring up something so interesting is the reason why we end up in kitchens or in hospitality is often about like what we have access to if you're somebody who needs a job when they're a teenager it's a very easy place to get work. It's also fun because people smoke and, you know, there's like a bit of, um, it's a bit of crack. But, you know, why we might end up in the industry and whether there is like a bit of Peter Panning or like we travel a lot or maybe, and I know like you're a guitar player, you're a musician. So like having the flexibility around doing artistic stuff or other stuff, all of those things attract us to it. And I think as you get older, you start to measure like what is the actual lived reality of this job? Yeah, yeah, I, I definitely think that. And I think for me, it was like, like when I, so when I started my catering company, I had like massive, like young pie in the sky dreams for it. I was like, we're going to like, you know, we're going to, we're going to end up with like, like a couple of bricks and mortars, or we're going to end up like selling stuff to retail, which almost happened, but it didn't. Um, and so, cause I was sort of young and like, you know, I had like the, 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 the sort of, crushing realities of life hadn't quite set into me yet that I was like you know and it was quite to be fair it was quite quite fun it was quite a fun place to be it felt like you know in sports they say swinging freely when you've got like nothing to lose that sort of thing um so it felt like that so I think with that it you know I was like oh my god like we're gonna do all this stuff and it's gonna be amazing and and then this time around after I folded that I was like really what what do I want to do with it like is my ambition to be a head chef at a restaurant is it to own a restaurant no, it is absolutely not to own a restaurant. Don't own a restaurant ever unless you're absolutely insane. Um, so yeah, I just I just had to think about it. I was like, what, what am I doing? Like, I'm, I can easily just like keep doing these easy and to be honest, well-paid jobs, like chef jobs now, you can earn loads. Good money, and, yeah. Yeah, you can earn really good money. But like, it just wasn't really, like there didn't seem to be 
like an end goal, you know, um, it would just be hitting, hit, like, you know, head chef, that's it. And then that's your life for the next 10 years. And I was just like, oh, I don't know if that's really the one for me. Well, and also too, when it's having an impact on your mental health and your ability to show up in your life, it's like yeah. that sense that like, if I stay, I will be unwell. And if I go, I'll have a chance of feeling better. That's not a, that's an easy decision to make in some ways. But I think it also like, it can be so challenging to switch roles in hospitality. Like if you are, you're working as a chef and you're like, okay, I like working at this restaurant. I have a great experience here, but this actual work I don't enjoy, or it's starting to affect my mental health or whatever. And I don't think there's a lot of professional development in the sector, largely because we're like too busy and too tired, but also like a lot of companies just don't focus on it, which is fair. But you know, and there's examples. I mean, there's exceptions like hotels tend to be really good at it. Um, Different parts of the tourism industry tend to be really good at it, but sort of like your average restaurants tend not to be. And I think it's very hard to imagine leaving whatever your position is, but staying in the sector unless you have examples of what that can look like. Yeah. And if you don't, you're like, well, I guess I just have to pack it in and leave forever, which is what I've seen tons of people do that have loads of passion, but they can't see a job that would make sense for what they need in their life. And so they fuck off from it altogether. Yeah, which which is which is which is sad. Uh, I think there's there is other routes to to being like involved with hospitality or food in particular that isn't necessarily um, you know like working in a restaurant. Like I know that there's. I think my uh, my mate Tom did an interview with Counter Talk about the same sort of thing about how he pivoted from that to doing like a retail food business. But there is like there's other there's other stuff like. Um, you know, like, as you said before at the beginning, like I, I ended up doing consultancy for retail products that were going into M and S, and that is a fucking cool job. Like, if you if you if you can get that, like, I mean, that is like that's like the dream. It's like a nine to five in the kitchen. You're paid to experiment with food. It's it's amazing. So yeah, I, they're obviously hard to get, but I guess people just don't really know that that exists. That they're out there. The, yeah. Or the path to get those. So like, you know, there's qualifications you can do that can set you on that um, that path of product development or, you know, being involved with like food production on a larger scale um, is a really, it's a really, really cool, great job. And if I would urge any chef that's feeling a bit like tired of restaurant work, just to have a look at that path. Um, Cause it's, it's, it's amazing if you can, if you can get, if you can land a job like that. Did you have people that you looked to outside of the kitchen that helped you consider these paths like how did you even get introduced to that space oh uh, well i just found it by chance like i think my fr uh i i used to work with a guy called um uh david carter of smokestack um a little bit and he got approached by this company that were trying to develop these um dishes for mns and then he passed them over to me because he couldn't do it so it was just completely by chance that i i fell into it basically what i'm trying to say is i found it by complete chance but there is like if if you if what I would urge is just look at look at developmental kitchen jobs and see what qualifications or skills that they require and then go after those. My friend Rory does it now as well. He he's now like a consultant, so people uh, pay his company to come in and develop dishes for their restaurant, which is That's amazing. That's a sick job. Yeah, it's such a cool job. Yeah, and he's an amazing chef as well. So like it, you know, if you're talented, um, but you don't necessarily want to work restaurants anymore yeah there's there, there's decent paths what did you like did you 
see people who had left and were like doing other things like I know you worked at Recce for a little while obviously now you're with Together like how did you sort of get into that side of it but again this was like a path that I had no idea existed um and just fell into it by chance because I on and off hand text my so Recce is a uh, an app for chefs to place some orders um and as on the chef side I was like an early adopter of it I thought it was a great system and I, I it caused it solved a lot of pains for me um when I was running my business and you know it was I think it was January or February and it was a little slow on the event side of things so I just texted my recce guy uh, it was a guy called Josh also um asking if they had any part-time work going um because I really like the product would love to get more chefs to use it and um they be- they basically approached me and said like you know um if you want to work for us you can but you're gonna have to like leave your catering company behind and start with us full time. Um, and I just felt like it was a good step to get, cause I was already feeling pretty burnt from doing it for like four or five years. And I was like looking at our like schedule for the summer and I was like, Oh God, I don't want to do, <laughs> I don't want to do these weddings. I hate doing weddings. They're awful. Um, so yeah, I just, it seemed like a really good time to like move on to something else that can potentially, um lead to you know different things you know that's not just you know chefing so yeah yeah i took that and um it was a pretty crazy company to work for as you can probably attest to you know i would urge anyone that is thinking you know they want to do something in hospitality that's not necessarily like line cooking or whatever is that there are lots and lots of companies that work in hospitality that look for people that have worked in it um you know and that's yeah, that's the reason why I got that job at Recce and subsequently together. Um, it's because I have quite a unique skill set, which is being able to work in like tech, but also hospitality. There's not that many people that can do that, so it's definitely like um, yeah, there's definitely like room for more people to do that, basically. Yeah, I think something that was always super helpful to me, although I wasn't always successful at it, was looking at people that were absolutely phenomenal that I'd worked with in restaurants who had left the industry and finding out where they went and then Mm. following them there. Yeah, yeah. Because they can vote for your efficiency. Because if you work with someone successfully at a restaurant, like Mm. the people I worked with in restaurants that were talented, I would Mm. give them a recommendation for anything. Like president of the United States. I'm like, they're the most capable people I've ever met. So... that's helpful but also it gives you a sense of what companies might be hiring now look at the cv of somebody who's been in a restaurant and understands the value in that and it comes around really weirdly and like i have a friend of mine who got a job in like a marketing company but the woman who ran the marketing company worked in restaurants like all through college and a little bit after college knew how hard it was knew how efficient people had to be knew how good at multitasking people had to be and actively sought out people who had hospitality experience so the people that know know and so i think yeah chasing around people i knew that left was the most effective way for me to start and not necessarily leaving but starting to understand how to use the skills i'd gained on the floor to professionally develop because the industry wasn't going to offer me that also if you're good in the kitchen or on the floor they don't want you to develop like they do kind of, they're like, we really want to support your progression, but they're also fucked if you're not there five nights a week. So it's a little bit uh, like to really support professional development. In some senses, you have to act against your best interests as a business. And I think that creates a very tricky relationship. That's really interesting. Yeah, I, I totally agree with that. Yeah, yeah. Especially if you've got someone that's good, you, you want to hang on to them as as best as you can. Um 
yeah, that's really interesting. Especially if they're like, I can't really be asked this anymore. I want to go do something like that suits me a little bit more than, yeah, I, I've, I, I could definitely see that happening for sure. Yeah. And I remember I was at a restaurant for a few years and it was a really hard job. The pay was not good. Like in terms of the logistics of what we had to accomplish, it was definitely the most unsupported setting I'd ever been in. And I got a job at a nine to five that I'd been recruited through the office manager that used to be at that company. And when the owner found out I was leaving, I remember they came over to me and they were like, Rachel, like, why, why would they offer this job to you when they know that you work here for us? And I was like, do you understand what I do in a week and how yeah, people yeah. I get paid to do it? It's like, yeah. if that's happening, it's not looking to, oh, Rachel, like, why ever would you abandon us for something where you can sit down a little bit? The question should be like, what have we created in this environment that anything else is appealing? Yeah, yeah. And that I think rarely comes up, but it's also challenging. And like, even it's like a very redundant talking point, but obviously with COVID, et cetera, the past couple of years have been so weird for the industry. A lot of businesses, small businesses have truly been in the shit. I was wondering about what your experience of working through the lockdown was, because I know you were back in kitchens in and out. And also with the biggest sort of changes, like permanent changes that we're still living with as like a hangover from that period. This was an interesting one. So I, uh, yeah, I got I got made redundant um, from Recce about a month before COVID hit. Uh, actually, no, two months. So, um, so I'd, I'd worked this job for two years and was like, I was ready to leave in Fenner. So it was it was probably a good thing. Um, got made redundant and then I decided to work at my friend's restaurant for a couple of months. Um, beforehand before COVID and was actually really loving it and I was like okay this is fine I'm just going to work here for a bit um get my feet and then try and figure out what I want to do but at the meantime I just love working here I love cooking it's just it was a restaurant just about cooking it was a great place to work so loved it and then COVID hit and so then that restaurant shut down never to be reopened again so I was basically left like you know completely scrambling for for work knew no one knew what was going to happen um I, wa- I wasn't one of the lucky people that got stuck on furlough um so i was like oh i'm actually in real shit here because i can't just get a job um and so like survival mode kicks in so i got a text from a, a mate that was like, op- like opening a bunch of delivery sites across london um for uh, like a well-known fried chicken brand and he was like, hey, man, like, do you know anyone that's looking for work? We're just look- it's not glamorous work, but, you know, we pay all right. And, um, you know, it's it's a job in COVID. So I was like, fine, do you know, what? I'll do it. And so I ended up working at this uh, this uh, delivery kitchen in a closed down uh, restaurant in uh, Shoreditch called St. Leonard's. So it's a very fancy restaurant and a very unfancy job. <laughs> Exactly. So we're in this big restaurant space and it was literally like the, the, the floor, as in the restaurant floor, dining floor was completely abandoned. So like lights off, tables still out, bar, everything. And then we were operating in a tiny section of this giant kitchen. It was a really weird experience. Um, and so basically I worked with a bunch of other guys who were all um, were going through the same sort of thing. They'd all worked at restaurants and been made redundant or outright fired. So there was a lot of very cowardly uh, restaurant groups that fired all of their chefs like the second that COVID hit, and so I was working with like head chefs, um, executive chefs, like 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 basically like guys have been around the block for a long time and were just like frying chicken, and it was a very strange time. And um, 
yes, it, it was, it, yeah, it was, it was r- real weird. And like, you know, we were just like bored out of our minds. Obviously there's a lot of very capable people frying chicken for delivery. So like everyone's just getting drunk all the time and doing loads of drugs on shift and on shift. And we were left to our own device as well. There was no supervision. So we were sort of, yeah, really, really strange time. Um, I, <laughs> uh, this one chef um, out on his lunch break just went and was sat on a park bench, um, maybe drinking a can of cider. I can't remember. And um, this woman went, "Oh, you like why weren't you poor man?" And just gave him money. And like he, was, he walked back inside, and he was like, "What the fuck just happened? What has happened to us?" Uh, so yeah, uh, real, real weird place. Um, so yeah, I, I did that for I can't remember. It was about six months. I was just really. I, like firstly happy just to like be working i was like i'm just happy to get like money in like or just be doing something otherwise i'd be stuck in my flat it was yeah um but then as time got on i was like oh god this is really like draining the life out of me you know um and it put really put the seeds in that i like i think maybe like i wanted to like leave you know obviously it was like an unideal situation for everyone but um yeah it just it was like oh okay right this is this is this is rubbish <laughs> well it's also it's literally just the worst you're surrounded by these like human examples of how poorly this industry can treat its talent working with all of these guys that had been head chef executive chefs had obviously worked their asses off for whatever companies they were with obviously had talent and then the minute things go tits up they like, they're disposable, yeah. yeah. And that, to me, is, yeah. like, a very hard... Yeah, it's very depressing. I think, in some regards, it worked out all right for some people. So two of the guys that I worked with ended up um, opening From the Ashes, so which is now quite a successful... I think they're, they're opening their own place. Um, and so they left. They got, like, Gordon Ramsay, Boo, Hiss, laid them all off um, straight away. And yeah, and now they're doing that, which is fantastic. So, and like, there's some other guys in there that have done some some cool stuff as well. Like, there's a guy called um, Joe Laker, which is about to open a restaurant in Shoreditch. So, like, you know, I don't know. They, you know, at the end of the day, everyone ended up fine, but I think it was definitely a, a very strange bad for morale. Yeah. yeah, bad for morale. Yeah, bad for morale. It also it says that too. I think as much as that, like, the fact that can I say his name again? Hey. That Gordon Ramsay. Uh, oh, boo. <laughs> boo. That Gordon yeah. Ramsay had, you know, all these people got fired from his company, which is obviously like yeah. a very profitable company. Like, mm-hmm. I'm like, that is the worst part of the industry. And the fact that mm-hmm. out of this experience, all these guys ended up frying chicken together and now have gone on to have these like quite successful and exciting opportunities and created all this space for themselves. And so it's like the very best and worst of what this industry can be all in one pandemic. <laughs> yeah, no, exactly. Yeah. I, I mean, like, I, I considered doing all sorts of crazy shit doing COVID. Like, I think I got caught up in like, what everyone else was doing. Like, you know, let's knit some blankets and sell them. Like, I, not to say that I was knitting blankets, but like, you know, like, I, I think a lot of people were like, you know, oh my God, this is like a real chance for me to do something for myself. Um, it didn't, didn't quite work out like that for me. But like, it's all just, I know it sounds really cheesy, but it's just like literally part of the journey. And like, I don't think without that, I would be where I am today um, in a job that I really enjoy doing cool stuff for independent businesses. So without that, I don't think I'd be where I am currently. Can you explain to the folks listening, like, what is a community manager? What is it that you do it together for the vendors? So interestingly, uh, when I, well, I'll start with. Like I got approached um, by the founder of Together to come on 
as what I assumed to be a sales role. And I really wasn't interested in that. But, you know, they offered me a sort of uh, a community role, which I, before being offered it, I didn't really know what it even even entailed. And it was basically put to me, come up with a plan, make our supply businesses as successful as possible on the, on, on the platform. As currently no real thought had, had gone into this prior, because it's a marketplace, right? It's someone wants to buy something and we've got people selling. And for a long time, it was just left to its own devices. But um, a lot of these businesses really need lots of support in terms of like advice, um, best practices, um, like management. And and currently my role is really to to win them more business. And like that, that was um, our, our guiding principle as like a, a team that we decided on is that we want to make small businesses more money. And so that's that's basically my role. There's something about when companies, and I mean, charity, like even Kelly's cause does this also, but when they reach behind them back into the industry to find people that really have that lived experience, those I think are the most people that are most effective for creating changes or creating spaces in the industry where the reality of working within it are really recognized and honored and supported. Yeah, and it's it's little things like I gave uh, a presentation to the entire company on like the uh, financial realities of running like a small food business, and like lots of people were like shocked to hear about the the commercial like realities of you know running a food business and how like small the margins are and like the various costs and how they they build up. And to me, that was like kind of shocking because I was like, you know, you, you're a company that works with lots of small businesses and like loads of people don't really un- understand it. And so like, I would, I would urge like other companies that work with like small food businesses um, to really look into that pool of people with that experience. Cause you know, there's so much like knowledge and information there that, that can be transferred to the rest of your team. Um, I just think it's super, super important. You've, you famously have dipped in and out of kitchens for your whole career as a chef. Um, what do you miss about being behind the pass? And what do you categorically not miss about being behind the pass? I, I love stainless steel. I, it's really weird, but like, yeah, just seeing lots of stainless steel everywhere. Clean stainless steel, unbelievable. Um, I think, I think like, again, this probably goes counter to a lot of the things I've said, but like, I think the, the, the first pint after like a really hard shift, mm-hmm. just, like, it feels very like hard earned, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, but yeah, maybe drinking is bad. So <laughs> Um, um, what I, what I don't miss, um, so I would say like just the, the absolutely horrible effect that working kitchens has on my spine and back. So yeah, like, ugh, like sciatica flare ups, you name it, horrible. So do not miss that at all. Quick fire. First thing that comes to mind, mm. what is your favorite sauce? Mustard. Gotta be the king of condiments. What is your favorite view in London? Uh, I can tell you a funny view, which is out of my bedroom window, which is a bin full of other bins. So, yeah, it, but we back out into an industrial estate in Lee Bridge. So. Favorite view? Uh, ooh, everyone thinks like standing on a hill. Um, it's not that probably. <laughs> pass. Can I pass? Yeah, of course. If you, if you could eat at one restaurant for the rest of your life, what restaurant would it be? Oh... That's a question. Uh, it needs to be, you can't, for example, the Chinese hot pot I had last night was truly incredible. However, 
if I were to eat that every day, I would, I would be dead in about two weeks. So not something like that. I think like, I just love Turkish food so much. Like if you, I could happily just drop me in green lanes every night and I would just hit every place. So yeah, I'm going to say the entirety of green lanes, if that's an impo a possible answer. Um, yeah. what is your favorite dessert? There's so many good ones. Um, uh, I was, I was chatting about how much I love Tres Leches the other day, especially oh, yeah. in the summer heat, but yeah, Tres Leches fucked me up. What is, who is your dream dinner guest? It's you, Rachel. <laughs> Consider me flattered. <laughs> no one has ever answered me back to me before. So I'm going to keep that in and allow you, allow you no other responses. Um, do you have anything that you want to shout out? Anything going on at Together this summer that we should know about? So we have got, are doing like loads and loads of different um, public facing events this year. Um, so there's some really cool ones coming up this weekend. For example, we are doing all the uh, F&B for Pride. So get yourselves down there. Uh, have a drink at Gym and Tonic who make this, who are making a special gin for the event. Um, and yeah, eat with, we've got loads and loads of great food supplies there as well. So Amazing. Um, we will link... Well, people know about Pride, so we won't link that, but we will link the socials and stuff for together in the description notes for this episode. People should head there and check them out. They've got so many fantastic, talented small businesses um, working sort of under their umbrella. Uh, Josh, thank you so much for doing this today. It was such a pleasure to chat with you. Thank you so much, Rachel. It's always a pleasure. Beyond the Pass is produced by Kelly's Cause Foundation. For more information about Kelly's Cause, please head to kellyscause.com or find us on Instagram at Kelly's Cause.